Welcome back, Rink Rats, to Season 2, Episode 28 of the Rinks Blackhawks Rinkcast from the luxurious Vivid Seats Studio, which is actually just my office and your office. But we are uh, also brought to you by the Overtime Media Podcast Network, your sport, your team, on your time. And as always, we are brought to you by our founding sponsors at PuckHockey.com. It's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Check out their new lines. Throw some rink, rink wear in the cart, too. Use that discount code, the rink for 10% off. I just uh, retweeted some stuff today. They've, they're releasing a new, a new T-shirt. I believe it says, I puck on the first date. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, if you like that one, head over there and uh, grab grab one of those. And uh, sneak a sneak a rink wear shirt in, into your cart. Oh, well. yeah. Sure, sneak it. Yeah, sneak it on sneak in. It. The wife won't care. Or uh. the husband or whatever, yeah. Or mom or dad or whatever. Uh, right. So anyway, today is Thursday, September 5th, and I am your host, Jeff Osborne, better known across the Twitterverse as Puck and Hostel. I am joined by my co-host and partner in crime, John Jacob. Hello. Hello. We're flying by the vivid seats of our pants. <laughs> the vivid seats of our pants. Well. They're the two <gasps> biggest dickheads in the world. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So anyway. Um, we wanted to get together. We're going to talk to Hart Levine from Puckpedia in a little bit. Um, but first, you know, I thought we would just kind of talk about the state of what's going on with the Blackhawks, what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we've got a couple topics that I want to kind of chat with you about. Um, but first of all, you know, uh, starting tomorrow, actually, today, because right now it's Thursday, the Bears are playing, the Bears. I, the left, Bears. I left my Twitter off because I don't want to see what the score is, but um, the Bears are playing right now. And, uh, but tomorrow the Blackhawks will be sending their rookie or prospect team to Traverse city for the Traverse city, uh, the Matthew Weist tournament, uh, it's a, was traditionally called the, the Traverse city, uh, rookie tournament where they will send a team there and the, they play games on, uh, tomorrow, Saturday, I think they're off Sunday and then maybe they play Tuesday and Monday and Tuesday or something like that, I believe is what the schedule is. I have to look it up. But um, so they're going to do that. You're going to see uh, Kirby Doc. You're going to see Adam Bolkvist. Uh, you're going to see you're going to see some you know uh, you're going to see some good players out there. But um, the Rangers really have a stacked roster. So I don't know I don't know what we're going to see as far as the Blackhawks. But um, I don't know what what is your what are your thoughts? What are you hoping to see uh, for this Trevor City tournament? Oh, I think. Well, let's see. I think you want to, you know, you want to see Bulkvist stand out um, and obviously hopefully stand out for the right reasons um, as being elite prospects uh, among the better prospects of several organizations. Um, I also think that you would like to hopefully see, um, you know, some, some of the more under the radar or one, you know, one or two of the under the radar guys who might step up in this tournament. Um, and, you know, enter the, the conversation a bit in terms of uh, the top prospects for the Hawks. Um, you know, but I think, you know, typically, you know, if they go 4-0 or 0-4 or, or, you know, however many games they play, you can't read too much into that in terms of situations about the prospect pipeline, um, you know, for good or bad. I think, um, again, it's, it's about um, how, the, how the players look. Um, against other players of similar caliber and, and uh, uh, you know, who stands out and who doesn't individually. Um, and, um, 
So it'll be interesting to see. You know, I mean, I you know remember these tournaments in years past. There were guys who you know who stood out who who ended up becoming pretty good NHL players, um, either with the Hawks or elsewhere. Um, and um, you know, we'll have to see. But other than that, you know, it's it's not regular season hockey, um, and it's not you know you know really even preseason hockey. It's NHL hockey. It's uh, you know it's a prospect. It's a prospect camp. So. Yeah, and it's called prospect camp for a reason. It's not even AHL yeah. quality hockey. While you right. will see several players that are going to end up in Rockford, uh, that doesn't mean that you know it's all that quality. You're gonna, you have kids that are going to go back to junior. Kids are gonna, uh, kids that right. are in college. I think are already there, but you're going to see kids that are going to go back to junior. Maybe go back overseas or things like that. So, um, you know, there's a couple players that you might want to keep an eye on. Um, as far as uh, what what the Blackhawks are sending there, are the great Mario Tarabasi on our on our squad, who has been working tirelessly over the summer yeah. to to bring all this quality content. He uh, wrote an article uh, probably last week about five Ice Hogs rookie breakout candidates not named Adam Boquist. and um, I, I don't want to yes. go into exactly what he said, and I don't want to you know he, he provided a lot of good information, but. Players like Nicholas Bodan, uh, Brandon Hagel, Mackenzie Entwistle are players that he named, um, you know, as players who could possibly break out. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, I was really impressed with what I saw of Nicholas Bodan in prospect camp. But again, that's prospect camp. Yeah, you know, Bodin's getting a lot of good press, um, you know, sort of knowledgeable hockey people um, are, are talking him up. You know, he's he's really interesting because. He does a lot of things well. He can he can you know get the puck up ice. He's a, he's an exceptional passer, but he's also pretty responsible defensively. And um, you know he's he's a guy I'm really interested to see because I you know I always default to with defensemen. I want a guy who can defend first, you know. And uh, so um, I'm really excited. I'm personally very excited about about him. And um, you know Boakfast on the other hand, I mean you know we know he can he can do things with the puck on his blade and, and, you know, go to, go to the net with the puck, et cetera. And he's, you know, coming up the ice, but I want to see what he could do defensively. I think that's, that's the part of his game that he's really got to, you know, take some strides with this year. Yeah. And and some kind of off the radar players who people may not be familiar with because they're not big names, but is there's, there, there's a pair of uh, players from Red Deer that the Blackhawks or the, the Ice Hogs actually signed, I think, the AHL contracts late last year, and they played a couple games. But uh, Brandon Hagel and Reese Johnson uh, from Red Deer both had excellent years. Like Brandon Hagel had 100 points uh, in the WHL, and uh, Reese Johnson was, was signed mm-hmm. before him, who had 53 points, which is, you know, nothing to sneeze at. Those are some, some players who could, you know, they possibly had some kind of chemistry and I'm not going to say they're, you know, Stroman to but they had some chemistry and uh, then the Blackhawks decided to go out and sign them and bring them in. So those guys, uh, I, I'm kind of curious to see what we're going to see out of that. Hagel actually looked really good in, in prospect camp as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of jumped out, kind of jumped out off the roster. You always get a couple guys every year. Um, and he su- kind of surprised us. He was surprising in surprising us. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what we can what we can get out of him, and you might see something out of Mackenzie Entwistle too. Uh, you know, big power forward, big lumbering power forward. So, uh, 
it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I'm I'm curious too to see what Alexis Gravel and uh, Chase Marchand mm-hmm. are going to do in net. Mm-hmm. Uh, those Marchant is you know more of a project. He's going to play in indie, but Gravel. I'm a big fan of Gravel. He's a big goalie, left-handed. You know how I love left-handed goalies, and uh, yes, I think he uh, you know he could be the next thing after you know Delia and Lankinen. Um, to come up through the system, uh, which Blackhawks haven't had anyone come really through the system no. since uh, Corey Crawford. So yeah. So um, so with that being you know all that being said on the on the camp front, um, I think we're gonna we're gonna head over and we're gonna talk to Hart for a little bit. But uh, I just want to remind everybody uh, use the promo code overtime uh, in the visit Vivid Seats mobile app. Uh, to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases for first-time customers only. So I just want to make sure we, we get that in there. We remind everyone of that. But uh, then we're going to head over. We're going to take a little bit of a break. We're going to do a nice long segment with Hart, talk about CBA and salary stuff. Then we're going to come in here, talk about a couple things, close it out, and let you guys get back uh, to your weekend. So here we go. All right, so on the line, we have someone who you may see have seen on the Twitterverse, uh, a lot under the moniker Puckpedia. We have Hart Levine, who is the cap expert, CBA guy, everything that we don't, uh, nor, we're not experts in uh, as far as the uh, CBA and contracts go. So we, uh, we thought we'd bring him on, talk about a little bit of stuff, what's going on with the Blackhawks and stuff. So Hart, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming on the show. Uh, it's been a long time overdue. We wanted to have you back on, so we're glad to have you back on. Um, we got some questions, uh, and and with the RFA stuff that's going on, or not going on actually, um, this is kind of a good time uh, to kind of talk about that a little bit. So, uh, right off the bat, though, uh, I mean it's been probably I don't know a year since we've had you on the show. And I know there's a lot of big things that you guys have had going on. I've seen a lot of big announcements go on. So maybe you want to give us just a little bit of what's kind of gone on in the past year with you guys. You guys or you have grown. Your 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 brand has grown so much. Oh, great. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so we launched uh, end of June last year. So we've been on um, we've been live now just over a year. Uh, yeah, it's really grown. We see a lot of increase in traffic and um, feedback. Uh, we have the Ask the Capologist section on the site. Uh, that's where people can submit questions, and the volume of questions has increased a lot. So I, I used to be able to get get back a response, you know, within a the same day or quicker. Now it it takes a little bit longer. So appreciate everyone's patience. But no, it's great to see uh, see that growth. Um, we've done a few interesting things. So one was partnering with Hockey DB, which is obviously you know everyone that follows hockey mm-hmm. has been on Hockey DB. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, been, th- that was really exciting. So if you go on hockey DB now, you see, uh, cap hits provided by Puckpedia on there. So that was pretty, pretty exciting, uh, to see it on there. Um, we also, there was a site called nhlnumbers.com, which had been around for a long time. It was actually one of the very first salary cap sites, uh, since the salary cap started. And we partnered with the nation group, which owned it, um, and took over, took over that URL and traffic and everything. So, uh, people were going to nhlnumbers.com before. Now they're ending up on Puckpedia, and we're we're working with the the nation folks to help grow that. And um, and there's some exciting stuff coming down the road uh, with some development too that I think will will be really exciting. Uh, definitely our mo- one of our most popular 
features and the and the area that gets the probably the most attention and feedback is our agent information and agent leaderboard. So um, we're we're the only site where you can see all the agents uh, ranked by the total con number of contracts, uh, total cap it, total contract value on the site, and then you can see each agent and who all their clients are. So. Um, as time goes on and more people kind of discover it, um, certainly see that that gets more popular, and it, it's you know really interesting to see those connections and yeah. what agents represent some players when there's some contentious yeah. issues. It's nice to see who else uh, they yeah. represent. So that's been really good. If I may jump in, uh, you know you can really start to see the unspoken business side of the game in terms of which players have you know which agents. Um, you know, I think it's fairly widely known at this point, uh, but it hasn't always been that, the, uh, for example, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are represented by the same agent, um, uh, who is um, uh, Pat Paperson. Uh, thank you, Number from one. CAA, yeah. which is um, which is a big, big representation firm. And um, you know, when when sometimes when you know you you see. There is some truth to the fact that some of the GMs like dealing with certain agents and don't like dealing with certain other agents. And so who, which agent represents which player can have a lot to do with what's going on behind the scenes. And, you know, whether some of these rumors that are out there are true or not based upon who the agents are. Um, so it's it's really interesting and it's a great feature of Puckpedia. Oh, appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, we, we think of it sometimes like a video game or like fantasy hockey, right, where you just – they're just – uh, names on a screen and you they move around or sign contracts but they really are obviously there's a lot of human beings involved in the relationships between the agents and the gms and players i think that really does play a role and yeah you see sometimes there's contentious uh situations and then it kind of impacts other clients with that gm or um you might see where there's a good relationship and the same gm um and agent keep doing deals together so it's certainly an area that i don't think gets covered enough but but uh, you know has an impact on the game well, something that was really important that came up this summer uh, involving agents was the Panarin and Bobrovsky thing. Everyone thought that because they had the same agent, they were going to be a package deal. And there was a lot of assumptions made because of that. And so that that kind of ties into what we're talking about here. Yeah, definitely. People can can go yeah one way on that and assume mm -hmm. almost too much into it as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, ultimately, the player is responsible to make the decisions and decide where they're going to sign and for how much. And the agents are just, you know, providing guidance and and trying to get the best deal. So, yeah, it's it's definitely the agents are pulling a lot of the strings, but ultimately the the players are going to make the the decision. But I think definitely sometimes the agent might be able to get a better deal out of a GM that they have a good relationship with, or not get as good a deal out of a GM that they maybe don't have a great relationship with. And so the player might not end up with a choice, but in a in a situation with like Panarin and Bobrovsky, they had several options. And I think, and then probably the money was pretty similar in that case. It's yeah, really player has a lot to, to choose from. Yeah. We actually had yeah. last year, we had uh, Pete Rutelli on from Acme. Um, and he, he actually represents some of the, now some of them now former Blackhawks, but yeah, right. A couple of the Blackhawks, <clears throat> like uh, I think it was Jordan Osterle and uh, Vinny Hinnestrosa, and they represented yep. a couple of those guys. So and a couple yep. of guys from Europe too. So yeah, that's the that agency. Um, Marcus Leto uh, represents yes. Jesse Puliyarvi, yep. and he's been in the news yep. quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, well. We got some questions. We got some subjects we should really talk about. Uh, the, the, main, the main thing was I thought about was 
I don't know if there's been a year where it's gone so late or so close to camp where so many RFAs were still just kind of hanging out there in the wind. And we actually have UFA with Jake Gardner, who's a big name. He was probably the top defenseman on the market, uh, it, you know, going into the summer, and he's still sitting out there hanging in the wind. This is such a strange year. What are you are you seeing anything different, anything strange, or is there anything that's really stuck out to you as far as this this RFA class and UFA class going into the new season? Yeah, it's definitely a, a shift. I think we saw maybe the first signs of it last year. So there were a couple of defensemen RFAs, Darnell Nurse and Josh, Josh Morrissey. They went into the they missed the first couple of days of training camp before signing uh, bridge deals. And so you saw that kind of stretch out. Um, and there's been some RFAs that signed late into the offseason and obviously Nylander on, you know, just before December 1st. But to see the whole class uh, held up, that's certainly new. Uh, if you go on Puckpedia on the player dashboard, and there's a, a you can hit the button for 2019 RFAs. You can see who's left or you can see the link from the homepage too. We still have eight guys with 49 or more points that are unsigned RFAs. So, and and we have two over 90 points. So obviously that's, that's a big deal. And it's really just the redistribution of money from, you know, years ago, it was the, the older UFAs in their thirties or well, before the salary cap, it was the yeah, UFAs in their over thirties getting all the big money and they're past the prime. And then when the salary cap first came in, it was, they were hitting UFA 27 to 29, 30. And, getting paid and now we're really seeing the money get redistributed down to the RFAs um, because they really do have the biggest impact on the on ice performance. And I think there's been enough studies now that show that a hockey player's prime is really, you know, like 23 to 27. So it makes sense to pay them for that time. Um, But it is, but that's kind of at odds with how the system works where the teams do have more leverage with the RFAs because obviously the players can only sign with one team or do an offer sheet, which is likely to be matched. So it's kind of that uh, mismatch of, of the players are providing, they're providing the most value to the team in those, you know, 22, 23 to 27 year range. But for the team, that's actually where they have the more leverage and they should, they think that they should be able to force the prices down. So that both sides um, are kind of coming at it from different points of view and kind of trying to meet in the middle. And obviously they haven't been able to, that's why, that's why it's taking longer. And I think because we have a salary cap and it's the same size pie, it's just how it gets split up. That's why you do see a guy like Jake Gardner, uh, I think still hanging out there. Like he probably, I'm, I've heard he had some multi-year offers right on July 1st, but probably not what he's expecting. And now we'll have to see what he signs for. But if all the money is going to be going to these RFAs and there's obviously teams that are setting aside money for that, the money's got to come from somewhere. And where a guy like Jake Gardner, I think, you know, two, three, four years ago was definitely signing a five, six, seven year deal for, you know, six, seven, maybe, maybe five and a half million. I, I think those deals are drying up because the, the teams know that the money's going to the RFAs. I mean, there's still outliers. You look at like uh, Tyler Myers of Vancouver, mm-hmm. Um, or Hayes with Philadelphia. And I think maybe some of those teams are are still looking at it like it was a couple of years ago. But you, you're seeing now players getting older, they're getting shorter term. Um, and the dollars are just a little bit less on some of the, the older UFAs. And that's because these RFAs are going to command such big, big money. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and we haven't even really talked about Marner much. 
But, I mean, he's the, you know, everyone's kind of waiting for that domino to fall so that everyone else can kind of fall in behind him. But um, a a good example of also what you were talking about, too, was uh, this summer, July 1st, the Blackhawks surprised us by signing Robin Lanner. I mean, Robin Lanner, look at the season he had. He was a Vezina finalist, and, you know, he, he won, you know, all these awards and everything, and he was so... And then, you know, four o'clock on, on, on July 1st, he still isn't signed. And all of a sudden, hey, the Blackhawks signed him for a one-year, $5 million deal. Like, that was not what we expected to see. But here we are. Yeah, I think the other interesting things that we talked about, there's kind of a disconnect between um, the the age of a player's prime and, the, and then who has the leverage, like in the RFA years. I think the other kind of shift now is in the term, uh, right? So... Up until recently, it was kind of automatic, a, a good young RFA, or even if they weren't good, more average, they were getting as long a term as they could, right? Six, seven, eight-year deals. Um, now we're seeing, and in some of the reporting, we're seeing that, especially these big-name RFAs, they're not interested in signing an eight-year uh, extension because they're doing the math and you know, kind of betting on themselves that if they sign a shorter-term deal, they'd be able to cash in again. So if you're, you know, you're 21, 22, and you sign an eight-year deal that's taking you to 30, you, if you're a top player, you'll still get a pretty good deal, but it's not going to be you know, another home run. But if you're 21, 22, and you sign a three- to five-year deal, now you're in your mid-20s mid, mid 20s again, and you can sign another huge deal. Maybe that's the one that's going to be seven years. Um, and I think they're realizing that if they bet on themselves, they can maximize the, uh, the career earnings, similar to what you see with some of the top guys in the NBA where they're taking those short-term deals and just kind of keep re-upping as the salary cap increases. But again, the I think that's what's holding up the market is the GMs, they're thinking, well, if these guys want this kind of money, it's got to be a long-term. And the R, and these RFAs, it seems like they want the big money and they want it on a shorter term. Um, so it's kind of another area of conflict that I, I think is really holding up the market. Yeah, and feel free to jump here in here, John, on this one. Um, this is kind of going to be a point of contention and – it's been actually a hot button in Blackhawks land the last couple of days is with Clayton Keller signing in Arizona with the deal mm-hmm. that he signed. We have a situation here in Chicago where next summer we have two RFAs uh, or the Blackhawks, I should say, have two RFAs in Alex Brinkett and Dylan Strom who have put up really good seasons last year. You know, Strom was over a point a game. And Debrinkit, we know he had 40 goals, seven, I think it was 76 points total. He had a great year. He's gotten better each, you know, he's only been in the league two years, but each year he's improved a little bit. So, I mean, to say he's going to have another 40, maybe a stretch, but he could have 35 goals very easily and continue and maintain on this level. If that's the case, he's more of a, he has really produced more than Clayton Keller has. So, and Clayton Keller's what, it's 7-1 a year? I think it's seven one a year, seven one five. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we could be seeing, you know, the fans want to go out there and say, oh well, you know, DeBrinket loves it. You know, they want to play this hometown meatball nonsense that just because he's in Chicago and he likes Chicago, he's going to take you know two you know cents on the uh, on the dollar for a, a, a you know a contract or something like that. But we could be seeing DeBrinket getting eight plus million dollars a year, and if. Strom being a center and, and, you know, being as important as he is with the Brinkett, we could see him getting somewhere, you know, in the area of what Keller got. Uh, that's, that's a lot of money. It's, you know, almost $16 million 
locked up in two players when you already have $20 million locked up in two other players. Um, what, what do you think about this? What, what is your opinion? Right, if, John, you give your, uh, yours first, and then we'll turn it over to Hart. How about you? How about that? Sure. I, you know, I think all the eventualities you describe are quite possible. Um, you know, because it's very realistic to think that Debrinket's going to have a, a another really good year this year, um, and that for that matter, Dylan Strong. Um, that you know, there's there's chemistry there. Who knows? You know, they, they could both also regress, or somebody could get hurt. Those those things can happen. But it, it's interesting because the Blackhawks are, are in a really interesting position, and anybody thinking that they're kind of out of the woods in terms of the excesses of the contracts they gave out, um, you know, to 2014, 15, et cetera. It's wrong because I mean, you, you have, you know, Kane and Taves are, are signed for big money. It's still big money. Even today, it's big money. Um, you've got 7 million a year wrapped up in Brent Seabrook, who's probably a, a third pairing defenseman at this point at best. Um, and there's long-term on those deals. And so, <laughs> You know, it's great that you've got these young players coming along, but the problem is, is that they're they're you know reaching free agency now, and um, you know you you got to pay them. And uh, you know the again these deals like you, like you mentioned it, Jeff, the deals that they're giving out to guys like Keller, who I think had 14 goals last year. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I don't um, think it's was, setting a market. Yeah, he was like 60 points or something like that. But he was less than yeah. Debrinket for sure. But yeah, go ahead. yeah, it's setting a market for young players now, um, you know, and all the the drama about Marner too. I mean, it's just setting a market for young players now that um, it's, it's, it's problematic. And especially for teams like the Hawks that still have a lot of money wrapped up in veterans who are for the most part on the downside. Yeah. Hart, what do you think about this? Well, I think the, the other interesting thing is, is like looking at the lack of extensions. So last year, by this time, we had a whole bunch of extensions signed. If you look at the last couple of years, there's been a lot of extensions. And by extension, I mean there's a, the player has a year left on their deal, and they they sign the, the big extension like Keller just did. This year, we've only had a, a couple of them. And I think that kind of started last year where Marner's agent, uh, Darren Ferris, said, like, we're not signing an extension. We're going to wait till we get through this contract and get till the end of the – like, get through this next year and actually be an RFA. And again, the trend had been – guys were getting locked up for that extension when they still had a, a year left on the deal. Look at Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel and some of the, and obviously not as big names did that as well. And I think, you know, you see the cap goes up every year, even though it's not going up by a big amount anymore, it still goes up a little bit. Um, and these players now that are again, betting on themselves and putting up multiple good seasons um, or several good seasons now. And all that does is just drive up the price. So, Again, it's really in, uh, telling that, like, obviously, Debrinket's not signing now, and some of these other uh, players that are a year away from RFA status, they're waiting, um, and they're going to play this next year out, see what happens with these current RFAs and those deals, and then play this year, you know, either part of the year or all of the year, um, and put up another big season, and then try and try and uh, negotiate the contract. I think all that does is is push those numbers up again for for those RFAs. Yeah, and like just just for comparison, like we mentioned Keller, but if you look at Willie Nylander, Willie Nylander had 61 points in both of his like first two years, basically his first two full years, and Alex DeBrinket had 76 points last year. So just by comparison with you know another winger, another young winger, look at what you know Willie Nylander is making, 
and what Clayton Keller, you know, is now, is now making. And you, we should, I think we should really start to get a little bit worried because the Blackhawks, everyone talked about how they had such this, this great amount of cap space that they were just going to be able to throw around and be able to sign everybody. And when it came down to it, they, you know, they filled some needs and we'll see how that turns out in the end, but little bits in here, you know, 3 million here, 2 million there, you know, 5 million there. They didn't really go out and get any big fish or really, really sign anyone huge, except you might be able to say, you know, laner, but um, $5 million. I don't really call that, you know, a big fish when you got guys on your roster that are making $10 million. So they went out there and they, they filled, you know, they used all this wonderful cap space that they had. That was just this magical cap space. that was going to fix everything with bits and pieces. And it all adds up in the end. And, uh, you know, next year, it's not going to be the same thing. They're not going to have that amount of cap space. They may have Corey Crawford falling off the, off the, uh, cap, but they're, they're going to have Robin Lehner falling off the cap too. And one of those guys probably, or someone is going to need to be signed to be the, that first goalie because right now, Colin Delia is not going to step in and be the starting goalie of the Blackhawks. He may be the backup next year, but you're going to have a guy in there that's going to be making probably what Corey Crawford's making right now or more. Potentially, probably more. So you're looking at a guy who may be making $7 million a year as a starting goalie. That, that, what cap space that falls off is going to get eaten up really quickly. They don't have a lot of UFAs and RFAs falling off the, the cap next year. So it, it's going to be interesting. And then... And, and, we didn't even really talk a whole lot about Dylan Strome, but Dylan Strome's going to take you know a, a good yeah. portion of that as well. You're going to have Debrinket and Strome. They may be eating up sixteen million dollars next year, and then you, you know with Corey Crawford dropping off or whatever that is, that's kind of a, a push pull kind of thing because something drops off and something gets added back on. You could have you know Robin Lehner or whoever coming in at seven eight million dollars. Uh, on top of that sixteen million, like you're at twenty four million dollars added onto the cap next year. Yeah, you know, just a just a quick point of comparison yeah. that I pulled up. So last year, uh, through this date, there were twelve extensions signed for players for the coming up for the following year. Uh, there were some big ones like Blake Wheeler and uh, Mark Andre Fleury, Kucherov, um, and then a couple of days later into mid September was Sagan and Pacioretty. So through mid September, there were fourteen extensions signed um, to extend the contracts with a year left. So far this year, we only have four. We have Vasilevsky, Keller, uh, Sam Gerrard, and then Connor Clifton was a small deal. So again, I think that just shows that that these all these RFAs are really seeing that. Let's get to the end of our contracts and uh, let's. This is our. This is where we're going to be making our money, not necessarily when we get to UFA status, like historically. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like it's a blessing. And it's not, it's a blessing and a curse, I should say, um, with the because he's earned the money. Like you want him to yep. get his money cause he's earned it. And, and if Strom has another year, like he had last year, like he went through some trials and tribulations in Arizona. Now, they, they basically kicked him out the door for Nick Schmaltz. And we know, what we, you know, our fans know what we think of Nick Schmaltz. Uh, and he's turned out to be, you know, just this diamond in the rough. So both those guys are going to deserve this money. And, and if, Say it is Robin Lanner next year. And I've kind of gone on record on previous podcasts this summer saying that, you know, if Robin Lanner comes in and he plays well anywhere close to what he did last year, I could see the Blackhawks jumping in midseason and trying to sign him to a long-term extension. Because, you know, not, not saying that, you know, he may or may not, his, his 
you know, his uh, agent mates tell him not to, you know, play it mm-hmm. out until the end of the year and we'll get even bigger money. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if we don't hear that the Blackhawks are trying to, you know, sign him to a longer term deal. Because, I mean, you, you're not as familiar with the Chicago fans base as we are. You, you know, you, you kind of see it peripherally, but the, the nonsense of hearing that, well, maybe they're going to commit to Corey Crawford for a long-term deal. He's going to be 35 years old. You're not committing yeah. to Corey Crawford for a long-term deal and a guy who hasn't been healthy in three years and, you know, he has concussion problems and he's 35 years old. Like you can love him all you want. I love Corey Crawford, but the reality of the fact or the reality of the matter is that you can't, commit long-term dollars to Corey Crawford and they don't have anyone really deal you. We don't know what we have in him, but they don't have anyone else. Like you could commit to him for a year, maybe, but you don't get even count on him being, uh, being healthy. Yeah. So. They're, they're not going to sign him to a long-term deal. Right. That's just, they, you know, if, if a lot of things go well, then I think they might look at a, a one-year deal for him. And that would be assuming he outplays Leonard um, or Leonard has some issues or what have you, but um, you know, he's, they're not going to, they're not going to re up him on a long-term deal. It would be the height of stupidity for, you know, a guy who's missed a year and a half due to concussions at 35 years of age. So, I mean, if it's not Robin Leonard, um, it's it not, it's certainly not going to be Corey Crawford for very long. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, and look, you know, we've talked about this. I mean, they brought Leonard in, with the hope that he's going to work out long-term there's, there's no question about it. Cause it, this wasn't another cam ward. This was a guy that he's 28 years old and he's coming off being a Vezina finalist. This, this is a guy that they want, they'd like to keep around and it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think betting on goalies mid thirties or older is never a good idea, especially on a, on a multi-year deal, right? Those deals yeah. really look bad. I mean, look at uh, Craig Anderson, um, guys like Mike Condon, guys like that too, right? Um, Ryan, Ryan Miller's guys like that. So, yeah, I, I think I would be surprised if uh, Chicago or anyone were, were going to give Corey Crawford a long-term deal, even if he was perfectly healthy this year. But that age, it's not a good idea to give a long-term deal to a goalie. No, especially yeah. We're we're trying to we're trying to keep telling the fans that, but everyone has this soft spot in their heart for their hometown goalie that they've known for yeah. five years. But uh, you, you have to think with your brain, not your heart. And uh, you have to do what's smart for the organization going long term. And Robin Leonard is a smart deal. He's 27 years old. He's coming off his best year. He's only getting better. You know, he's been, depend- he's been dependable as far as, like, you know, playing. He's been, you know, fairly healthy. Uh, he's got his newfound sobriety. What's not to like about him? I, I, I'm really high on Robin Leonard. I was before the Blackhawks had him, and I'm gl- I over the moon that they got him now because I just really like the guy. So I think there's a lot of teams that, especially their fan bases, that you know by November first were wishing they they were able to get Leonard at that deal. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. think a lot of people were surprised when they saw that thing come out there. Yeah. What are you saying, John? Nothing. Well, just okay. just agreeing. Yeah. Cool. All right. We've kind of talked about that a little bit. But um, one of our writers, Mario Tarabasi, the great Mario Tarabasi, brought up a brought up a good thing that I think we should discuss a little bit. Everybody hears about it on the podcast; they hear about it in the media. But I don't know that people necessarily understand what it is and why it's important. Escrow. As far as the CBA mm-hmm. goes, CBA goes, we hear about escrow. Players are worried about escrow. Escrow this, escrow that. But 
I would probably gather that a majority, a, a healthy majority of fans don't understand what it is or why it's a holdup or why it's an issue with the CBA. So Hart, give us a little bit of a, you give us a simplified and, and if we need to grow with it, we can, but you can, you can dumb it down for the people who don't know. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll do my best. Yeah. So basically as everyone knows, the revenue is split 50, 50 between the owners and the players. So the players are only um, entitled to 50% of league revenues. So when you see a player's contract that they're given, it's actually to technically not entitled to that. That's just basically an estimate. So what happens is, we, they set the salary cap, which again is an estimate of what the revenues are going to be for that year. Um, and then players sign their contracts. Then at some point, sometimes it's a year. Sometimes I've seen it take some three, three years later, they figure out exactly what all the revenue was from the year. All the money actually comes in. They see how everything worked out. And then at that point they do the math and they say, okay, this was the total actual revenue. Um, this was our estimated revenue. And then, how, what were the players? What did the players get paid? And if it's if it's uh, not fifty percent, then they're not entitled to that whole amount that was on their contract. And so, obviously, if they paid the players the full amount on the contract, and then a couple of years later said, "Oh, wait a second, we gave you more than fifty percent," it'd be pretty hard getting the players to cut them a check uh, for a refund, right? So it works. It works the other way. It's to make sure that the players are only going to get fifty percent a portion of their paychecks are, are held back in escrow. Just like if you buy a house, escrow means the money is taken off and it's held somewhere safely that really no one can access until it's all worked out. Um, that, that's what escrow is. So on every pay paycheck, some money gets uh, held back, goes into a, a pool. And then when those revenues are finally worked out, and instead of just estimates, we know what the actual amount of revenue is, they figure out what truly was 50% and then the players will get a little bit back. Um, in the past, that that amount of escrow and how much they got refunded was pretty small um, because the estimates were pretty close to actual revenue. But in the last few years, I think, and there was a good article today written by uh, Travis Yost on tsn.ca, I think this points to the fact that revenues haven't been growing as much as they would have liked or their expectations. Mm -hmm. And so that, if you look back, pretty much every year, the last few years, the initial salary cap estimate that the league comes out with has always been like revised down when the right before they set the final amount. Everyone remembers this year was supposed to be a couple of million higher, and it came in at only eighty-one and a half. Um, and I and I think that shows that yeah, because the revenues have been a little bit lower than expectations or that they had hoped, um, that that's leading to the escrow percentage and the amount of escrow that actually they they're not getting back in terms of a refund uh, has grown and that's leading to the players being more upset but it's tricky because they've agreed to a 50-50 system so you're always going to need escrow or some form of escrow in order to make sure that it's 50-50 because they, they're never going to know what the revenues are going to be exactly before the season starts um, but there's some things that they can do to lower that which would be so when they set the salary cap or what their expected revenues are, the players have a, are able to increase that cap amount. But it, all that does is increases how much they're going to uh, have to put in escrow because it just means that they're being more aggressive with the forecast. In the, in the last couple of years, the players have uh, increased it by a smaller percentage, trying to get it closer to the actual revenue estimates. So that would be one thing that the players can kind of do all on their own to lower escrow is not artificially increase the cap every year, 
because again, all that means is that the money is going to get withheld in escrow and they're probably not going to get it back. Um, so uh, yeah, I guess that's a high level uh, escrow. We could talk about maybe what could happen in the new CBA to lower it, or if you have any more questions uh, on what escrow means or how it works. No, that's actually pretty good. Um, I, and I think the the multiplier is the thing you heard in the media. Yeah. If the players, the NFL, the NHLPA is going to use the multiplier, I think that's that's where we're going with that, right? Yeah. So well, let's let's maybe do a simple example for everyone. So let's just say you and I are going to business, and we think that we're going to generate a hundred dollars next year, and we're each supposed to get fifty fifty, right? But I have the option to say, you know what? Um, instead of my 50 out of 100, let me take 60. Um, and if, you know, but I'm only entitled to 50, 50%. So if our actual revenue is only $100, I'm going to owe you $10 back. And you'd say to me, well, why would you want to do that? You're probably going to owe me the $10 back. And I'll say, well, you know, like, I, I feel like maybe we're going to do better than that. So then we go through the year and sure enough, it was only 100 bucks. And now I owe you the $10 back. That's kind of what the the multiplier, the escalator is. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't really help the players. The only thing it does help is for the free agents that year. If they don't if they don't use that escalator multiplier uh, and the salary cap is lower, then the the players trying to get big contracts. It feels like there there's not as much of a market and that they're not going to be able to sign as good a deal, which is partially true, but. On the other hand, like so, that's if they use the multiplier and it or the escalator and it increases the cap and they sign these big contracts, that might feel good on the first day. But then, you know, down the road when you see the escrow and, and that you didn't get it refunded back, you didn't act. They didn't actually get that big of a contract anyways, right? So yeah. it's uh, it's kind of like a, a a false feeling. Um, although I guess they might argue that well, if it's a lower cap, we we might not just get like a little bit lower contract. Maybe some guys get completely frozen out of the market, like, you know, like a guy like Jake Gardner, who we talked about now, and it actually costs millions and millions of dollars um, by not having a higher cap. But that's kind of the the uh, the discussion, I think, in terms of how it works now. But going forward, yeah, I think they could do a few things to, to uh, lower escrow or lower how much gets held back. So one would definitely be don't use an escalator or even give them a, an option of that. Another would be to to agree between all parties just not to be so aggressive or optimistic in the estimates. If the estimates were, uh, I'm sure they always look at like a range of outcomes and then they pick something. And if they were just way more conservative in their estimates, then there wouldn't be uh, a need for as much escrow. And the, and even if there was, a, the players would get it all back. And if for some reason they were really low on the revenue estimate and it came in much higher, then the players could get a refund, like they could get a bonus check to kind of make up for it because they are entitled to their 50%. So um, if they were willing to kind of get closer to that line where, hey, maybe not only do we get um, our escrow or a little bit of escrow paid back, maybe we actually get like a, a check, an extra check on top of that, um, then they it, it wouldn't feel so bad of having a check and having so much pulled off of it uh, every year. But, you know, in the NBA, for example, there there's, there's a thing like a minimum salary um, that, that a team has to spend every year. And if they get to the end of the season and the team actually hasn't spent to the minimum, every player on that roster gets a bonus um, to d divvy up that the amount that the owner didn't spend. So, uh, you know, it, it's not going to be exactly like that, but there are sports where the players um, are sort of waiting on potentially extra money as opposed to now where they're losing some money and hoping that they get some of it back. Um, so again, those are some things that, 
without really the owners giving anything or the players like taking anything, they could just sit down and you'd hope uh, kind of level-headed, level-headed. And it's really just like an accounting exercise of figuring out how could we work the system a little bit better so the money isn't all kind of held up in this account and we're, we're just getting closer to what the actual amount should be every year. Yeah. What is your, uh, what is your feeling on, do you think the uh, NHLPA is going to opt out or use their uh, their option? Uh, the we, we just recently it was it was announced that the uh, the the league the owners don't want to opt out of the deal. Uh, there's an option. There's an opt out. I think what is it, next year. Um, yeah. And now the NHLPA is doing their meetings uh, to decide whether they want to opt out of the current CBA. What what do, what is your uh, feelings on that? Well, I think from the PA, like that's a really challenging job because you have, you know, Don Fair, he has over 700, probably close to 800 players now. And the, what percentage of them do you think really have taken the time to understand the issues and how everything works and uh, kind of prepare? Um, and they, they all come from different backgrounds. You know, some have university education, some dropped out of high school, right? It's a it's a huge disparity in in their knowledge level and um, understanding of what's going on. So I think that's a tough job. I think one of the concerns would be that players just know they hate escrow and it feels like the owners are are screwing them or something, right? And and they're angry at the owners. And especially for ones that haven't been through a lockout before and haven't seen how painful that is, they might just be, uh, you know, coming from a point of view is we're, we don't have a good deal. We don't like escrow. We need to we're not going to give in or we're going to make sure we get our demands that that's really dangerous because if, as we talked about it, escrow, isn't really something that the owners have to give. Like it's just a matter of figuring out a, a better system. But if, if the players start coming from that uh, perspective of really trying to push and um, demand something that really can't even be given, it's not like that's not a concession from the owners to do a, uh, something differently with escrow. It's again, it's just like figuring out a better system together. Um, it's pretty hard to negotiate something if one side wants something and the other side is not really anything they can give, right? Um, so that that kind of concerns me from a not, obviously I come from the side of not wanting a lockout. So that kind of concerns me that the players, there might be some players that are um, vocal and, and might push that. And if you read some of the reports out there, um, the both sides have been working on not just having the, the players not take the opt-out, but actually negotiating a new deal or an extension on the deal with some changes to it. Um, but if you read some of the reporting, it looks like the players are considering, well, maybe we'll just opt out and then we can keep negotiating the ex extension over the next few months. I Again, I think that's really dangerous. It seems like the NHL is being pretty friendly and um, uh, open right now and, and the talks are pretty cordial. But I think that if the players opt out and now they set the clock that we have a year to work this out instead of you know three more years of labor peace, I don't think the owners are going to be as open and I think they're going to start now pushing for some concessions from the players. And I think that you'll get in that whole spiral of it getting, you have some big egos on both sides and some stubborn people. And I, I think that that could lead to some issues. So I think the best outcome would be if they can get pretty close to an extension um, with maybe just a few items to work out, the players say they're not going to opt out and then they can try to finish it off, but that's going to rely on some trust between the owners and the players that if they don't opt out, the owners aren't going to just drag their feet and, and make them wait three years for the CBA to then expire. So I, I guess my, my long answer is <laughs> I, I'm not so sure, but 
I think we're going to find out a lot in the next uh, 10 days. I, I don't think it's going to be a, a mystery for much longer. Yeah. Yeah. And th- this just in from uh, Gary Bettman. I think you overestimate their chances. <laughs> <laughs> John, you got any specific questions? Uh, I got one last one I, that we'll end with, but go ahead. I don't. And I, I just sit back and I marvel at Hart's encyclopedic um, pardon the pardon the pun. Encyclopedic knowledge His of all things yeah. salary cap and contracts. So it's awesome. I'm just listening. Yeah, <laughs> it is awesome, and it's good to have you know someone who understands the cap inside and out and the the salary structure and stuff. So that's really really good. So speaking of salary structure, the hot one of the hot button issues in Blackhawks land is the Brent Seabrook contract. It was mentioned earlier by John. Um, it's a mess. It's ugly. It uh, you know, it's money that's locked up on, on the Blackhawks cap for a while. And there has been articles and stuff about uh, why it's not wise to buy him out. Cause people just say, buy him out. And you get a lot of crazy things. People just terminate his contract, just wave them. And like stuff that's not even possible. So kind of talk through a little bit why it's not wise in kind of a you know simpler format why it's not wise to buy his contract out at this particular point. So they're kind of stuck paying for it until they can get him to possibly waive his no trade and move to a, a different organization. Sure. So the, the simple um, point to make is that signing bonuses cannot be bought out. So if a player has a signing bonus, he gets that money no matter what a buyout is. I think most people know, uh, the team pays two thirds of the remaining amount on the contract and it's split out over twice the remaining years. Um, when it comes to signing bonuses though, that part isn't included. So the player gets a signing bonus no matter what. And then it's only the salary that's actually bought out. And that signing bonus basically still counts against the cap that year. Um, so if you go on puckpedia.com under any player page, you see their contract under any of the future u- years, you can click on the button, buy it out, and you can see the whole buyout calculation. Um, so if we look at Seabrook, so he's got a 6.875 million cap hit, but he's got huge signing bonuses um, pretty much every year. So starting with next year, 4 million, then 2 million, then 4 million, then 2 million. So again, because you can't buy that out, if you were to buy him out um, after this season, so starting in the 2020-2021 season, instead of his 6.875 cap hit for the next four years, his cap hit on a buy would be 6.58. Yeah. Save 300,000, yeah. then 3.58. So yeah. you would save 3.3 that year, but then back to 6.58 and then 5 million. So over four years, you're saving 300,000, 3.3 million, 300,000, 1.8 million. So again, I don't see why you would buy him out after this season just to save 300 grand. You can't even replace him on the roster for that amount. So I guess maybe if you were going to buy him out, it's for the 2021-2022 season. But again, you're going to save a bit of money for that one year, um, but then not very much the next couple of years. So really, it doesn't make much sense to buy him out because the savings are so low. Um, so I guess you could look to move him to an or- another organization. I would not think- happening. Yeah, unless there's a, a unless there's a really really bad contract coming back, you're gonna have to retain fifty percent right. right. or something, or fifty percent and take a bad contract. That's a really really tough contract to move. And my guess, just a complete guess, is at some point he follows the long tradition of players with these big long contracts that end up 
injured yeah. and on LTIR where they still get paid, um, but the team gets a little bit of relief. Um, I think that's kind of the formula. Obviously, that didn't work out with Luongo to a couple of teams, uh, or especially Vancouver's uh, disappointment. But for the most part, these players with the really big contracts, especially the older ones, um, there's really nothing you can do with them other than, you know, he's got a, a rash or a sore back or something, and he's on LTIR, and they get a little bit of relief uh, from that. But, yeah, I don't see a buyout in the cards. Um, some people have pointed to, you know, if there's a new CBA, maybe there'll be some buyouts that don't count against the cap, compliant, compliance buyouts, like there were in the past two new CBAs. Um, and so, you know, fans have been hoping that uh, some of these bad contracts could be bought out in a situation situation like that. Yeah. I think that's really unlikely because if you think back to the last two new CBAs, the percentage of uh, revenues came well in the first one there was a salary cap for the first time and the and the players contracts are rolled back in the second one the percentage came down so both of those times this, there was like a, either new salary cap or a lower salary cap than the year before so you needed a way to buy players out without any penalty but that's not going to happen this year like the percentage isn't going to change i don't see any way that in the new cba somehow the salary cap gets like lower for any reason so I, I don't think there'll be an opportunity to have kind of a free buyout. So yeah. uh, I think people can uh, certainly not uh, pin their hopes to that. Yeah, that, that was my only hopes. And I, I started chirping about that about four, three years ago. Like he's going to be a compliance buyout. That's the only way they're going to be able to get through this contract. Yeah. And LTIR, of course. But yeah. Yeah. So I just don't see the new CBA having compliance buyouts. Um, I would be very surprised. So I think it's uh, maybe he, he catches Hosa's rash or something and uh that, that's yeah, right it. yeah <laughs> right blackhawks fans right now are crying in their beer as they, <laughs> as they hear you say that you're disappointing many blackhawks fans with that so hey but you know what if milan Lucic can get traded i guess you never say never because I, I i thought that one was just as untradeable and um you know if you look at that Lucic for neil trade if neil works out for the oilers that's just like a bonus but uh, because Neil doesn't have any signing bonuses, he could be bought out next year for uh, a number that is actually manageable, like actually provide some relief. So yeah. any on ice performance is a complete bonus. Um, and it, and if he doesn't, if he isn't a great on ice contributor, they can buy out Neil. Um, whereas Lucic had a very similar contract to Seabrook with huge bonuses that can never be bought out. So they used to always say if Gretzky can get traded, anyone can get traded. And and I think now we have to say if Lucic can get traded, then any bad contract can get traded. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, if John, if you don't have anything else, I think we can let our guests go for the night. I don't have anything else other than say thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We want to thank you for putting us on. There is accounts to follow. Um, for the Blackhawks. We really appreciate that. Yeah, and, yes, we uh, do. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thanks for all the support. And uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Puckpedia or go to the site, puckpedia.com. Thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate it. Keep up the great work on, on the site and your Twitter feed. Finding the right pros for home projects can be tough and spark a lot of questions like, how do I find a pro who can help? Will they do a good job? Will I get a fair price? That's where Home Advisor can help. From leaky faucets to major remodels, Home Advisor connects you to the right pro for the job in seconds and even helps you get a fair price. Read reviews, check project cost guides, and book appointments. Go to homeadvisor.com or download the free Home Advisor app to start your next project.
My name is John Cuban. I'm the host of a new podcast series called Real Narcos. It follows the stories of the world's most dangerous drug lords and the American special agents who hunted them down. When you work undercover, you have to play the role because you stand to lose more than just an Oscar. We didn't have sophisticated software. That didn't exist. The software was a pen and paper. You are a doorway away from the most wanted man in the world. You're not expecting him to go down without a fight. Follow Real Narcos wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, thanks to Hart from Puckpedia, at Puckpedia on Twitter. Uh, he's, he's really good. He'll answer any of your questions, anything you submit. But uh, I, hope, I hope he covered a lot for everybody, and I hope you really enjoyed that as much as John and I did. Uh, he's great. And uh, we, we love to have this friendship, this kind of teamwork uh, thing with them. So uh, we really appreciate Hart's time. So uh, kind of wrapping up. To, uh, today's episode a little bit. We got a couple things we want to talk about. Um, we got some questions that we can we can address. Um, first thing I want to talk about. We didn't really talk about it in the Traverse City tournament part before we talked to Hart. But this week, uh, a kind of an interesting tidbit that Blackhawks fans who are familiar with uh, the RFA uh, debacle back in what 2009 10. Uh, mm. Basically, the Black, it, it was brought out that the Blackhawks had a couple of players they were going to send to the Traverse City Tournament. They were just free agent players that are probably going to go back to junior or whatever. But they usually invite a, a handful, probably five, to come out and play with them. Uh, actually, uh, Colin Delia was one of them at one point in time. Uh, but anyway, that being said, uh, they invited a couple of players that were going to play with them, and then all of a sudden middle of the week we get an announcement that those five four or five players were not going to be playing on the Traverse City team that they had five other players or four other players that they were going to have come play which seemed kind of weird the next day I found a tweet from a guy uh I unfortunately I don't have his name off the top of my head but who said basically the Blackhawks for quote unquote forgot I don't know if it's if he's being literal or if he's being you know facetious forgot to uh, submit the paperwork for those players. So they were deemed ineligible for the tournament. So the Blackhawks had to somehow, you know, uh, whatever they did to go out and get four or five other players. So uh, that was pretty interesting though. What did you, what did you think of that? Um, you know, <laughs> gosh, you know, I, I, without having any backstory on it, it's hard for me to, to make a judgment and I, you know, I'm not going to claim to be an expert on Sean element either. So I don't know how great of a loss that is. You know, it's funny though, because it spawned a lot of people sort of leapfrogging over each other on Twitter, trying to, to talk about the, the RFA incident in 2009 and, you know, how, how Dale Talon screwed it up or how Stan Bowman screwed it up. You know, uh, we, I don't think we still know the true story about that whole deal. And that to me is, is actually more interesting still than, than what happened uh, this week. I mean, but, you know, I'll just share a little story that I don't think I've ever, you know, really discussed that that often or that much is the fact that I heard a few years back from a pretty good source that Dale Talon was actually out sick the day that those uh, those uh, offers went out late. So, you know, it could be that he was his being out sick, you know, somebody else wasn't able to jump in and, and take care of it. Um, there are people who want to blame Bowman because Bowman was the cap guy and he was the assistant GM at the time. Um, it, it, but it's really interesting. But, but what Talon did do is he took responsibility for it. And, um, you know, 
people can say what they want about Dale Talon, but that, but to me that was uh, one of many things he did that uh, I think endeared him to to players and to a lot of fans. Um, and uh, it's it's just a you never know the whole story, you know. Um, it it just um, there there's certain things that teams are going to keep to themselves and they're not going to put out there for the public. Um, and I think either the the recent case this year or the the case back in 2009, uh, we may never know the whole story. Yeah, for sure. It was just an interesting tidbit because you think, you know, you always think that they're going to be way more careful and to not let that happen again. But uh, not that just again, you, you mentioned it's not like the huge loss. It's just a matter of screwing something up that they had planned to do. And uh, it kind of looks you get a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of schmutz on your face <laughs> when when stuff like that happens. So, but right, uh, you know. Anyway, I mean, if one of those guys, if one of those guys, um, goes on to become a, a a really good NHL player, then that's that's gonna hurt. You know. Yeah, I, it, it, it's highly doubtful, but it could happen. Right. You know, players like you Zach Ash, know. players like Zach Ashton Reese and stuff. If like been to Blackhawks camps and been on like you know, rookie rosters like that. So yeah. things like that have happened. Uh, there's, there's several guys. Actually, uh, Ryan Carpenter was one of the guys. He was yeah. actually in, in prospect camp. I don't know. I think it was 2013 or something like that. So, uh, you know, the, it's not that these players never, uh, never develop into anything. Sometimes they do. And, uh, yeah. So, so the Traverse city thing, you know, that that'll be this weekend and then training camps coming up, you know, um, with training camp coming up, with the Traverse City thing, I want to make sure that we mention the uh, the hard work that all of our writers are putting in on their uh, blood, sweat, and tears, it's called, the series of pieces we're doing, where the Blackhawks went through the system, or not the Blackhawks, I'm sorry, our writers at the rink, the-rink.com, went through the system and ranked all of the uh, prospects in the system. But they didn't do it in a traditional way where you would just, you know, a number, you should be number 10 or you should be number nine or da, 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 da. Yeah. Which is, I mean, there are a few things that annoy me as much as that does, because it's just basically one guy sitting there, uh, you know, deciding that one player at this point in time um, is, is slightly better than another player at this point in time. And it's, come on, it's, it's mostly guesswork. I mean, yeah, you're going to have Boakvist and Doc at the top, and then you're going to kind of go by hints and feelings and and um, guesses as to who follows. So what our you know and what we decided to do at the rink is we decided to and it was the younger writers who who had the idea and I remember them going back and forth about it um, was to you know have more of a roundtable on on each prospect where a number of people would weigh in and they would dig into the numbers and they and they would kind of debate it. And then we would put the players into tiers, um, third tier, second tier, first tier. Um, and I, I think, you know, because of the rigor that that the writers took on it and, um, you know, the, the the depth that they went into, I think you're, you get a really much more nuanced picture um, and a much more, I think, a more accurate picture of where these prospects really are. And I think anybody who is, is really interested in Blackhawks prospects those uh, those three is it three articles or four? Gabe, uh, I think it's going to be four total. I think yeah, or, or five total, four or five total. Yeah, yeah. So and there's so there's more than just three tiers. Yeah. But the um, if if you're interested in Blackhawks prospects, 
Um, those articles are going to be up on the site for a while. Um, go back and look at them and, and, and check them out. I mean, they're really in depth. And I know I, you know, when I when I have a question about a prospect now, I go to those because they have they're really really solid and and in depth. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I want to I'd like to mention the writers because they deserve to be mentioned. Aaron Goldschmidt, Eric Andrews, uh, who kind of does a lot of stuff behind the scenes, but yep. he's you know more of a prospect guy during the summer. He's been actually compiling everything, putting it together, and actually composing these pieces from all this. So Aaron Goldschmidt, Eric Andrews, uh, Juliana Nikach, uh, Mario Tarabasi, Ray Napientek, and Ron Luce, uh, all had pieces, yep. you know, had parts in this. They collaborated together. They, you know, they, they went deep on all this. And, uh, yeah, I can't be more proud of, of what they've put together. So we, we kind of work backwards from the lowest tier and we're going to end with the highest tier. And then we're going to, at the end, we're going to encapsulate it all with one big piece links to all of the, the tiers. So you can go, you know, one place and I'm going to probably put it up on this site is, you know, kind of a sticky post so yeah. that it stays up there for a while. People can go there and, you know, look at, at this stuff, what, what, what we've said about this with all these players you're going to hear about in camp. So I just wanted to take a minute and, and really talk about, you know, their, what they've done, because it really is really good stuff. Uh, I think it's part three is up right now. Part one, two, and three are up right now. Part four, I believe uh, I spoke with Eric will be coming up maybe in the next couple of days. We kind of want to space it out over the, over the, over the month of August. There's not a lot to, uh, you know, to, to really consume in the month of August. So right. what we want to do is spread it out a little bit, give you a little bit, you know, each, you know, maybe an article a week or a, an article every six, six days or something like that, just so we can step you through the month and you have some content out there to, uh, to read and, and, and consume and, you know, maybe bookmark, maybe you're going to want to use it down the right. road. Yeah, they, absolutely. Yeah. They really did a good job and I'm really proud of what they're doing. So, uh, so you know, thanks guys all of you for doing what you do and uh, please support them. Go read their stuff. Visit the site. Uh, we really appreciate that. Um, so, I mean, really now going into what is going to be the most important thing after the, the, uh, the rookie tournament is training camps coming up. Uh, you're going to see the first of Robin Lanner, which we talked about earlier. You're going to see, you know, Kirby doc, what he can do against NHL type players. While it's not all NHL, not all NHL type players, you're going to see what he can do against some type of NHL competition. Right. Um, you're going to see what Adam Bokris can do against some NHL level competition. So you can get a better idea of where, you know, maybe Kirby Doc does make it out of camp. And at this point, some very different, you know, some very unusual things could happen. So you never know. Maybe someone else will break out. You get that Kyle Bond of a couple of years ago that made the you know roster out of camp. So, uh, you know, it, anything can happen, but, uh, it should be interesting. I, I'm really curious to see, you know, what Lander's going to look like in front of this defense. Cause of course we got some new defensemen too, several new defensemen. Yeah. Uh, we don't know how they're going to play in the Hawks system. Hopefully I'm, I'm optimistic. Um, but you know, they got a tough division, but we're going to see how Rod Lander's going to do behind these defensemen, new and old, we're going to see what Kirby Doc can do. We're going to see what Adam Bokvist can do. Maybe see what Nicholas I think. I think Bokvist is really, really critical because, you know, 
hearkening back to our conversation with Hart um, about um, Alex DeBrickett and um, Dylan Strom and the impact that they're having good seasons could have on the Hawks' salary cap, uh, you know, next season, next summer, um, they got to make a decision on Gustafson too. And, you know, uh, how are you going to fit him? You know, um, so uh, <laughs> I don't think that's happening. I, I think that basically their expectations are that he uh, he's not going to be hanging around, You're, especially with the, you know, like we talked about earlier with the, the extensions for, you know, to bring it and Strom and having to figure out what they're going to do with the goalie situation. I don't yeah. think that, that Gustafson's going to have any chance to fit in the mix. And when you have a guy who is similar to what Eric Gustafson provides at a fraction of, the, of what the salary he's going to command and much younger, yeah, you just, the numbers work that, you know, Boquist is going to be groomed to replace Eric Gustafson when he's out the door on July 1st next year. Yeah, I, I yeah, I mean it certainly points that way. But then the question becomes, you know, can Boquist step in to the NHL if not next year, then the year after? He should be able to. And you certainly, in terms of a benchmark for defensive play, it's not real high with Gustafson in terms of replacing him. So, um, you know, that. But I'm going to be interested to see that. I'm not. Uh, necessarily um, placing a lot of stock in this narrative that's out there on Twitter that, you know, Doc is going to come in and, and you know, um, center one of the Hawks' top three lines. I think Doc's going to be a really good player. There's no question in my mind about that. But, but he, you know, it's got to come when it comes. And, and you know, he's I think he's 18 years old. Um, he's still really skinny. Um, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe he can come in. You know, maybe he's that that special of a player. And, um, or maybe he comes in, he plays some wing at first. Um, so, uh, you know, again, I, I, I think I'm, I'm interested to see how the new defenseman gel. I'm interested to see how Leonard plays. Um, I'm inter- interested to see if Crawford's healthy and he can stay healthy. And if they truly have the one, two punch that they've talked about, or, you know, is it really going to start to become Leonard's show sooner rather than later? Um, you know, I think there's a there are a lot of interesting storylines though because there's been a lot of turnover and there there were some big moves this summer. Yeah, and a lot of people don't want to believe it, but like I said earlier, I think that you know they they want Leonard to do well, and if he does well, yeah, I I really think they're going to be chirping in his agent's ear to to get yeah. a long term deal done because yep, uh, I agree. Committing to Corey Crawford just it's not a wise decision. I love him; he's a great player, he's done great things, but. He's not the Corey Crawford of 2015 anymore. No, he's no. he's the oft injured 35 year old guy who you, you can't right. depend on to play a whole season. And right. you want to you want to put your hopes and dreams into that? Well, then you're more of a betting man than me. So, yeah, uh, good luck with all that. So, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, that's just kind of a slight preview. Um, we're gonna we'll probably have a a grand new episode. You know, episode or uh, season three, episode one where the whole rebranding will take place. We'll open the new season. We'll talk about camp. Um, I we'll find out what vivid seats actually are. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we, I, I want to try and also maybe bring all those writers in that did the, uh, um, yes, did the prospect pieces. It's going to yeah. be a little bit hectic, a lot of people online, but I want to give them the chance to really talk about it more and you know what they went through, kind of the thought processes, maybe some surprises, maybe some things they didn't disagree with all that stuff. So I want to give them their voices. So I think we're going to do that maybe in the in the uh, season uh, three, episode one. Uh, so, that's a great uh, idea. Yeah. Uh, so we got that going on. But that being said, 
Uh, we had a couple of questions, um, not a lot. Uh, one was already answered. Our boy Brain Sprain asked about, you know, the Debrinket thing. Uh, when he becomes an RFA, what do you think he'll get? And we talked about that with Hart at length. So uh, no need for us to belabor that point. Um, but Boomer GWC said, is it just me or do the Hawks have six second-period defensemen? Um, yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, yeah. We don't know what we're getting. We don't know what we have until we see it out on the ice. And yeah. I, I saw somewhere someone's like, well, why don't you guys put on an article about, uh, you know, line combinations? It's like, we haven't even seen these guys step on the ice yet. We don't know, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. I'd like to at least see some guys on the ice before I can start speculating on line combinations. I mean, you can get, you know, you, we know where Jonathan Tays and, 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 you know, Patrick Kane probably will be and Debrinkit Strom. And, right. But, right. The rest of the guys, like, we haven't seen Dominic Kubalik play with NHL players or against right. NHL players. So we don't know. Maybe he doesn't even make the roster. Maybe he yeah. does. You know? Yeah. I think there's some question, too, you know, where Saad's going to play. Is he going to be a third-line wing or is he going to be – I could easily see him being right back where he was on the first line with Taves. Um, uh, you know, I, what what is interesting to me is I'm interested to see who – um, centers the fourth line and the third line and um, who is sort of the, the uh, primary option on the penalty kill at, at center. Um, you know, those are all things that I'm, I'm really, cause those were, those were areas, problem areas for this team the last couple of years. And it's going to be interesting to see. I know the Hawks tried to address it. We'll see, but we'll see how well they did address it. And we'll also see uh, if the Blackhawks can finally get the, bring the old players back uh, correct with uh, Andrew Shaw. That'll be interesting too. Yeah. That, yeah. Right. Which Shaw do we get? Do we get, um, you know, the Shaw of 2015? Do we get the Shaw of last year? Do we, you know, who knows? Somewhere who knows? or somewhere in between. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Uh, but as far as the defensemen go, yeah. I mean, there's names, uh, Dahan, sure. And this kind of parlays into the next question. D. Alexander uh, seventy one on Twitter asked, "What is Dehan's injury status right now? We really don't know. We haven't heard much, uh, you know. And they're doing he's they're kind of doing private training right now, so yeah. like, the the even you know Powers and Lazarus don't know. Yeah, they're ho- they're hopeful he'll be back for the start of the season. That's what I what I've heard. Yeah, and if, if, even if he's out for you know misses a week or two or whatever." That could be the week or two that, you know, uh, Adam Boakvist is playing with the team before they decide to, you know, send him to Rockford. You never know. So yeah. we could see something surprising. Um, or maybe you'll see, a, you know, a Chad Chris or, a, you know, a, a, a Bodan. Yeah. You know, play. Maybe we'll get that little uh, that, that, that little trial. Um, not that they have to go back to juniors, but um, because they don't. But, uh, you know, Boakvist and Bodan both can go to uh, Rockford, which is going to be crazy. Meyer's going to yeah. have a real interesting. Year. Yeah, he is. He's going to have, uh, you know, uh, Lankinen and Delia, not my boy Delia. And I do want to say we're going to have another mask reveal this year. So uh, be stay tuned for that. He's probably the last Blackhawks goalie to uh, get a mask painted. So this is really the first year in several years where the Hawks have had some pretty high end prospects at Rockford. It's been a long time. Um, and, you know, you know, going back to, you know, sort of before 2010. Yeah. Um, so that, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, it, it's going to be really good. They're going to be they're going to be a good team. And 
they're gonna have some experience and uh you know with uh christopher steeg down there yeah everyone forgot yep. about christopher steeg but he's gonna be down there and uh, several you know really good like i said ha- uh, hagel and johnson and you're gonna see mackenzie entwistle and probably philip kurashev and uh you're going to see a number of pretty good players. You're not who you're not going to see down there is Kirby Doc. If Kirby Doc does not yeah. make the team, he's going to end up going back to the WHL for the remainder of the season. And if you do, you you could possibly see Doc at the end of the year with a one or two game trial, but uh, that 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 would be it. If he if he doesn't make the NHL roster, he's going back to the WHL. So yeah, um, but yeah, it's uh, it looks like a solid crew. I'm going to try and make it out there more than I have than I did last year. And, uh, you know, chirping Mario's ear for a little bit. And, uh, of course, you know, I, I will paint uh, Calendelia on my chest and uh, <laughs> <laughs> all that good stuff. So, yeah, um, it, that was the that was the Dahan injury kind of thing. So we kind of really wrapped up the questions there. Um, I think I'm done. You got anything else you want to bring up? Uh, I got nothing else. I'm, I'm excited for real hockey. Yeah. Um, hopefully coming soon. I'm I'm proud to say that I'm going to actually be in Europe when the Hawks are playing there. I will, however, be two countries away. Um, when they're in Prague, I will also be behind the former Iron Curtain, but I'll be in Hungary. Uh, so I'm going to try to find a way to stream the games and uh, stay up with it that way. So pretty exciting. Better. Let's get at her. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Um, I want to throw a quick shout out to the guys at Pure Hockey and Darian. Uh, <laughs> this guy named Sean, poor guy. I brought my mask in because I got all dented up. I got hit with a clapper right in the right in the cage, bented up all my brackets, and I brought it in there. And it, it took him a good like forty five minutes to get my mask apart so he could change the uh, change the stuff on there. So I wanted to give a shout out, Sean at Pure Hockey and Darian. Thank you for being patient with me. I know it was aggravating, but uh, so with all that said, uh, I think you guys uh, know, but I'm going to remind you anyway. Um, Oh, you can find all of our comprehensive content at www.thedashrink.com. Uh, you can find us on the popular social media at the Rink Official, at the Rinkcast. <coughs> As I mentioned in the intro, excuse me, I am at Puck and Hostel on Twitter and on and on Instagram. Uh, we we have an Instagram page too for uh, the Rink. It's the Rink Official. Um, I'm going to do a little bit better job this year of. Uh, you know, adding some uh, content from our articles on that. So you can follow us on Instagram. If you're an Instagrammer on the Facebook page, please go over there. Uh, like, like the page. So you get the updates. Um, a lot of people chat during, you know, not just on Twitter, but chat, uh, on the Facebook page. And also we have, uh, I don't want to want to remind people that we also have our forums. We will have our game previews again this year for the third year. Yep. Uh, go to the game previews and you can chat on the game previews uh, on our uh, message board there. Yeah, just scroll out. right down to the end of the article and the, the forums right there. You need to sign up, but there's no fee. Uh, we're, we don't charge a fee. Um, so, But uh, there's some good hockey conversation there, and uh, typically the writer um, of the uh, preview that day will be there and weighing in as well. So, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that, that should be good stuff. Um, you can also comment on all the other articles also with you, with your signing up for our website, we don't use your email address for anything. We don't sell them for anything. We don't collect them to, to spam you with a whole bunch of garbage. Like all it is is so you can sign up for the site. So we know you're not a, a bot or spamming us with nonsense or whatever. So, and you can, you, you can have your own personality on there. That's all that's for. 
So yep. Also, uh, we would really appreciate it. We we did get one new review. Um, I don't have it off the top of my head, but we did get one re- new review. It was a positive review. Thank you. I <laughs> really appreciate that. We like the positive reviews. We like the negative reviews when they're creative. When they're just being mean, that's not really fun. So no. I'm, I, I got no time for that. But uh, And I, I want to take this opportunity to uh, apologize. We've had some technical sound issues on some of our recent shows. Uh, we've gotten some feedback that we deserved, quite frankly. It was, it was pretty sloppy and pretty messy. And we know that's not why you download and listen to us. So um, we've cleaned it up a little bit. And we're talking about some other... Um, um, ideas um, and technology that we can use to uh, improve uh, the listening experience. And uh, it's not really that hard to do. It's just uh, a question of us getting around to it with between our, you know, our day jobs and running a website. So um, look for that. Um, in the meantime, keep the feedback coming. We appreciate it. You know, even, even when you got to tell us, Hey, you guys sound like garbage. Um, hopefully that will, we will not be hearing that from you anymore though. Yeah. I mean, our, our thing is, is I'd, I'd like to get over, over a certain threshold of reviews. And, uh, so if we could get 15 reviews this year, that would be really nice, or at least in the next couple months. So if you, if you listen to us through iTunes, um, it's fairly easy through the app. I believe you can, you can add, you know, an actual review. You can go on there and you can, you know, add stars and stuff like that, but you can actually add a review as well. We would really appreciate if you guys could, you know, just whatever you want to say. I really like it. I, I don't like this. Uh, Jeff's a jerk, which most people think already. Um, I don't. That's fine. As far I mean, as you know, I don't. What, if you want to, if you want to be, you know, mean, at least be funny, mean. Anything else like it, it's, it isn't really worth our time. But I do want to say Cushman MLB is the guy who um, put the last review in. He said a must listen for all Blackhawks fans uh highly entertaining and well worth subscribing it's easy with simple thank you we really appreciate it but then the number of reviews push you up the, push you up the charts and i guess you there's another threshold uh you know at 50 so that's where i'd like to get to so if you can get yeah. if you guys could run out there you don't have to say anything extraordinary you know that's fine we don't have to read it on the air but if you want to read it you know want us to read it on the air put something funny uh, if not, just say, Hey, I, re- you know, I like John and Jeff, or I just like Mario or whatever you want to say. <laughs> I don't care. Those people are out there. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I'm hated by many. I mean, and so <laughs> that, that will never change. Well, I mean, I just like Mario people, yeah. honestly. Well, I, who doesn't like Mario? <laughs> right. Even, exactly. Even the, even the people that Mario argues with love Mario. Like, so, like Mario. I agree. Unfortunately, I can't. The same can't be said for me. But yeah, no, me either. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, get it. If you get a chance, head over to iTunes, rate and review us. You can do it. I think on the podcast app. So if you can get, if you can figure out how to how to navigate that, please, we really would appreciate that. Would help us out a lot. That's the one thing you can re- that and and go over to puck uh, puckhockey dot com. Get us uh, get some t shirts. Those are the two things you can do to, to get some hats out. Yeah, and, get some and, hoodies. Uh, take you know uh, baseball sleeves. Yeah, hats, hats for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we'll see if we can expand the line a little bit. Maybe get some, you know, uh, winter caps or something like that. Uh, yeah, we've some had troops. some ideas. Yes, a scully would be nice. Yeah. I could rock, I could rock a rink scully. I, could I certainly could too with my bald head. Yeah, sure you could. Yeah, I have many of those. So anyway, but uh, yeah, so I guess that's it for me. Uh, I've said all I have to say. Uh, I'm sure you've heard enough from me, but uh, we want to thank Hart again. 
at Puckpedia on uh, Twitter and Puckpedia.com. Um, I would also like to report that after one half of football, the Chicago Bears look like garbage. Sweet. So there's that. <laughs> well, <laughs> we, we, we will know tomorrow what actually happens, so we'll see. Yeah, what transpires in the second half. And Mad Nagy better get, get, his, uh, get his shit together because they look like crap. <laughs> yeah, great, wonderful. Oh well. All right. Well, that that being said, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode and next season. See you on the ring. <laughs> <laughs>